Welcome to the Operations and Optimization Podcast Episode 7 named Water is a Valuable Resource, The New Game Plan. With the host James and Mika. Today's guest is Steve Coffey. Enjoy. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome to Operating and Optimization. This is Mika and James going back discussing how we can improve the energy efficiency the operational efficiency of industry, not just oil and gas, but all kinds of different industries and where you can use technology these days to monitor and improve performance. And that performance is not just in quality, but also in uptime, but also in cost benefits as well. I think one of the things we've all seen over the last year has been that there's been a real focus in terms of energy sustainability, energy usage, but also energy price volatility. It's caused huge issues with the, the war in Ukraine and the Russia, about Russian supply, that the price of, of raw materials in the market has gone up drastically. And this has impacted everybody. And governments have had to step in in order to do this. And it has affected the global economy. So this is a global problem. You can't just fill the gap suddenly from somewhere else. What do we do? And countries are looking at what do they need to do in terms of giving that longer-term security, the long-term viability for their their countries and their growth and their industry going forward. So today, we're joined by Steve Kofi. Steve introduced himself, so we're going to discuss that part, discuss a little bit about sustainability, reuse of materials, reuse of resources, and look at how we can improve. Okay, I'll pass you over to Steve for an introduction. Thanks, James. I appreciate the introduction and a little bit of uh, being invited on on this um, very interesting uh type of approach to what, how we're communicating with people on a da- daily basis now. Um, you know, I've done, you know, webinars, you know, podcasts and a very, various different, uh, you know, online mediums. And I think what the interesting thing is, uh, an exciting thing is that we're reaching more people today. We're reaching people and discussing things that, uh, you know, it would be really hard to get uh, the feedback and also, you know, get the disseminate the information to folks around the world. Um, I wear a couple of hats right now. Um, I'm currently the uh, president of the Bruce Water Society, which is a 33-year-old uh, nonprofit Texas-based um, organization, you know, committed to produce water and a uh, great group of people globally. We do quite a bit in the Middle East and in Africa, but also back in our home yard here in uh, the US, specifically Texas. We've got an event coming up next month. Um, you know, Again, joining, if you can't join us in person, I think joining uh, virtually is a great alternative. Actually, we've made it very interactive. So it's almost you know, like you're there. The only thing that you're missing out on is the handshakes and, and the drinks. Uh, so, you know, which which are for a lot of people the, the best parts of, of of any technical program. But anyway, we've we've got a lot of exciting things uh, coming up in the in the year ahead with uh, Produce Water Society. The other hat that I wear is Produce Water Solutions. Um, you know, I just joined the the company, but I've worked with uh, the folks there for many many years. Uh, actually, started off back in 2006 in Saudi with them uh, on a job. Um, looking at produce water treatment uh, and, you know, covered off a little bit of um, the primary, secondary, and a little bit of the tertiary market with them. But I came on board to kind of grow the international market because uh, what I've seen and what they had seen prior to my arrival was a bit of a void in the market. Uh, um, you know, I, I 
you know, I think James, you and I have talked about and, and Mika and I have talked about in the past many years, many, many years ago about changes in the market. This was, you know, 2014 to 2016, where, you know, I had a company that I had sold in 2018 that was, um, I probably had 60 some competitors in the market. You know, today, if you fast forward to just, you know, well, just say pre-COVID, you know, in the 2018 to 2020 range, uh, you know, I would say we had at that point, apples to apples, probably six competitors. So we went from 60 to six competitors in the, in the global market. And I'm probably being quite generous with that because a lot of the folks, um, the companies are very niche or very specific to a geographical region. Um, so maybe not, not a global reach like a lot of companies today. Uh, definitely what I've seen is you have to be global. You have to offer more. Um, again, have your strength, have your, your, your sweet spot your your you know product or knowledge forte but really you need to be able to um you know communicate with the global produced water community um whether that's whether that's with an operator or an epc or with uh, various different vendors to come up with a overall technical solution uh it's 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 changed a bit um but then also a lot of things have not changed at all uh you know i see <laughs> good and bad i see um I, I see a lot of the same mistakes being made again and again, uh, but I think a lot of that might, you know, besides the the obvious, uh, well, obvious for us that have been in the market for 30 years, I, I've only been in it for 29, mind you, so I got another, <laughs> you I got another year child. to go. You're a relative child, thank you. A child, yes, yeah. <laughs> but but what I've definitely seen is, you know, we we've if you're talking about the oil and gas market, we tend to make a lot of the same mistakes over and over. We forget about things that we've corrected in the past. Um, you know, a lot of what we do in water is tied to uh, the commodity price of, of oil and gas. And, uh, you know, <laughs> one thing for sure, uh, prices go up and they go down. And uh, and the that that is, you know, we're riding at a nice you know spot right now. And I think for the next year, year and a half, we will be riding at that, you know, a nice, comfortable area to make, you know, capital um, improvements and to make some changes. You know, I think the last few years, with COVID has been very, very rough for a lot of folks um, personally, uh, you know, uh, but also company wise. Uh, so I think we're in a potential, we have some really great growth years ahead of us. And I think the fact that, you know, if we if we share information with each other and not afraid to make change, which again, I think another thing that COVID did that really, uh, you know, was a positive was people had to adapt to to change. They had to adapt to, to doing things a little bit differently at work or like we're doing today. You know, this feels very normal to, to us to <laughs> have these conversations with people from around the world um, and and to, you know, to to kind of have that exchange. Uh, but yeah, I, I think a lot of the things that 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 I've seen you know, from a water perspective that that are good um, are that, uh, you know, people are interested. You know, there's a lot of interest in water. Uh, I think it's becoming more important because of water scarcity. I think the aspect of um, looking at water, especially when you're talking about water as a valuable resource versus a cost or a problem or something to deal with, I think that mind shift really makes a big difference. So if you look at water, just like we did many, many years ago with gas, uh, not as a something as a uh, byproduct that we just get rid of, you know, now it's, you know, it's a commodity into its own self. I, not to say that water will be that way around the corner, but I think eventually, um, you know, we'll, we'll pick up some of the, 
the, the uh, areas where water is commoditized, much like it is in the municipal market around the world, especially here in the U.S., uh, where <laughs> people pay for water, even though I've heard people say water is free. And uh, I've also heard I've also heard people say water is unlimited. Uh, there's a lot of things that have to you really have to scratch your head on. Um, so those are the things. Those are the to me those are the big challenges that we got to tackle is changing and educating people that water is not free, water is not unlimited, and that it's a valuable resource that we can do more with. And um, yeah, I, I'm hoping. I, I don't know if I'll be around for another 30 years, but if I am. I'm hoping there's some progress made that you know, not yeah. repeating these same same things uh, in 2023 that I that uh, that are that I talked about in you know 1994. Yeah. I think that's interesting. I mean, the fact is, I think you interesting point there, as you said, you know, back in the beginning there, you were looking at 60 companies back in 2018. So like you had 60 companies in this marketplace. Now you're looking at basically six. That's not because the, the resource or produced water has gone down. It's just market has changed okay to more global companies bigger companies but the actual issue they're dealing with actually is increasing all the time because through the energy we're continually producing more water and we have more water to handle but other industries are also looking for water whether it's the agricultural industry semiconductor industry the paper and pulp industry all these industries are looking for water and everyone uses it even just normal domestic use if you look at yeah. the, the amount of water that's being used now exponentially from just houses and everything else people are looking at this and they can't afford anymore in the u.s just to go well i can take you out of the river or in the uk we can take you out of the river europe yeah. has had a huge issue in the last few years with droughts we've still got the same problem because rain's in the wrong place right if i can jump on on one comment there too and i think what you both highlight there is also like uh, Steve, when you say, yeah, maybe it has been in the mindset that, oh, water is free or unlimited. And and uh, that's why, and like James, you say that, oh, but there's, there's a surplus or big use of water, industrial water in yep. all ki kinds of industries. And if we now talk about, let's say, Texas, especially like, an, oh, everyone relates that probably to, uh, let's say, um, oil and gas energy uh, producer and, and a lot of activities on that side. But actually, the, uh, if I read the statistics <laughs> the right way, the biggest industrial water users user as a, a single facility is actually a semiconductor plant. Yeah, yes. That's yes, what yes. we've heard. So and they have uh, and of course, we have the CHIPS Act. There's going to be increased where we're uh, let's say uh, reshoring manufacturing both the US and Europe yep. and we forget that actually it's going to draw more resources it's going to draw more water yes. so of course we have to think very smart I mean how can we reuse water and yep. and so it is absolutely not not just a, a unvaluable thing it is getting more and more important like you said Steve Right. And it's in, you know, using your Texas example, Mika, you know, looking at it's not only just about, you know, looking at industry like like semiconductor. I mean, Elon has a mega project that's a water project in Texas uh, now that will will be key to uh, to everything that we do. Um, I think globally, actually, even though it's a <laughs> it's a Texas uh, uh, facility or will be a Texas facility. 
Um, but the other aspect, just you know, down the street from from that make that potential mega facility, is the farmers that use water for agriculture, the ranchers that use water for their cattle. Uh, those are, and again, those landowners and cattlemen and farmers intersect uh, and have intersected with the oil and gas space for many, many years. Um, so I think the fact that we're coexisting and have to think about water, uh, you know, just just like you think about as you're checking your savings account where you are, are pulling water and, you know, using it for different things. Um, you know, th these folks already are doing that. Uh, I think we can just do a lot better at it. And I yeah. think when you look at the, the oil and gas sector or the energy sector as a whole, uh, water really needs to be looked at as, uh, you know, I know, I know they're, you know, they're in business to produce oil or gas, but, uh, you know, or, or XYZ com commodity um, energy source, but water plays a part in that in most of those, those areas. And in some places like, like oil, um, it play, plays a phenomenal role. Uh, you know, looking at the global market right now, which I don't think you know many people really understand. When I when I mention this, I, I'm just looking at my notes, going because a lot has happened in the last few years. Um, and looking at kind of the trend that we were on back in 2016 for the year ahead, uh, um, you know, when I when I threw out some numbers was that uh, 210 uh, billion barrels of year uh, barrels barrels of uh, water would be used a year or produced a year in the uh, in the oil and gas space um, now the forecast now moving forward is even though oil production even if it stayed the same or went down dramatically water uh, because of maturing fields or very you know new new fields or marginal fields um, or just the the in general, what happens in the market? Um, we're predicting that 340 billion barrels of water will be uh, produced and needed to be managed and handled in the year ahead. So I think that's those are pretty large numbers um, when you talk about, you know, thinking about it as uh, a byproduct. So mm -hmm. you really have to come up with a good strategy for. How to manage that? How to how to reuse, recycle, and reuse that in any capacity? I, I'm a big proponent for fit for purpose. You know, use it for what you're doing to produce your product. Um, which there's a lot of lot of that's not done in some parts of the world. Uh, one of the biggest uh, offenders to that is the U.S. Uh, we're not using it uh, for fit for purpose because it's too costly, quote unquote, or um, yeah, we, we've we've not we've not done it that way before. Yeah. So, uh, but but beyond that, there's a lot of talk about beneficial reuse, which again is also very exciting. Um, and and I am on a lot of different committees. Uh, you know, New Mexico Research Consortium it does a really great job of this. Um, but despite the the beneficial reuse, I think you know we also in many places like Texas and New Mexico we need to start talking about fit for purpose reuse. And using it, and not just disposing of it down hole, uh, um, and using it, you know, to, for better use today. So anyway, just to get, just a little bit of a, you know, give a, for the folks that don't know what the numbers that we're talking about. It's not a small number. It's, <laughs> it, it, you know, it's it's quite substantial uh, volume. 
Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I mean, that's a significant thing. If you just think about it, okay, if you just use, we don't use it for anything else, just the additional volume you're going to have to just treat, handle, ship, and get rid of is, is huge volume anyway. But then the fact is, okay, it's going to contain materials which you don't necessarily want into your other drinking water sources or wherever else you're going to use it. So therefore, you have to keep it segregated or at least treat it to a point where you can mix them together. So right. again, phenomenal. And that, as you say, even if you don't consider it as a as a cost, as a, as you know, as a beneficial thing, but the fact is that has a cost. The treatment has a cost associated with it, and that has to go somewhere. So somewhere that price is being added in at some point in the process. Yeah. yeah. And there's just really so many different things. I mean, you could take a look at, you know, give you two examples of something that's been done for ages, like a road mix program, where you're talking about solids waste from a uh, from a process from produced water. Um, that's still being done in certain parts of the world today, which is important, you know, to have uh, a good, um, you got to have roads to go places, uh, yep. <laughs> uh, even if they're just service roads uh, for oil field. Um, and then second, you know, kind of like a newer, a little bit of a different, you know, take on it is some of the things that they're doing with those uh, solids byproducts uh, for making bricks for building. Yep. Um, so again, another innovative approach to use a quote unquote waste uh, that we would have had to, you know, uh, kind of classify as a hazardous waste or depending on where, where you are in the world uh, or, or as a byproduct that was useless and make it more useful. And again, there's tons of these, and there's even more uh, uses when you talk about water. Um, you know, solids is a much smaller, um, you know, percentage of, of that waste uh, or byproduct that could be looked at as a resource. So I kind of get that as an example of something very small that that is very doable, uh, but the water, again, you know, I think a lot of people could have a field day with the ex the exciting things that you could be doing with water that just simply is not. I mean, there's tons of uh, uh, of examples given every day of how water could be used and how water could be used in industry. You know, taking it from one industry to the next, I think it's really exciting to see. Um, again, I guess commoditizing water a little bit and making it more of a uh, a staple that could be sold and bought uh, amongst you know industries. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, clearly, Steve, what you mentioned, I, I think this is also very interesting. That's uh, that technology and innovation definitely plays a role. So, yeah. uh, and you you bring up good examples there. And uh, let's say, do you see any gaps in terms of? Oh, we haven't been innovative in this area, or or is it some somewhere else uh, where we should deploy or look at even? other kind of tech or business models and secondly also like you said that well we can learn from each other do a tech transfer yeah. and yeah. and uh, be, build a much larger community because there are so many good examples so uh, yeah with, with all these challenges and opportunities steve is there a good <laughs> recipe for what, for what yeah. we should do well te technology i'm always on the lookout and very excited about uh, what's what's next and what's new and exploring new ideas and new things so I'm definitely a proponent, but just like my example of fit for purpose reuse or beneficial reuse, the analogy for the technology right now, what I'm seeing and feeling in the market is there is a ton of products that have been around since, you know, for the last hundred years uh, and products that definitely the quote unquote newer products that have been around since the 80s. 
that aren't currently being used or used in the right place or in the right capacity or sized correctly or, or the knowledge of how something works. Like for example, hydrocyclones or something very simple. Uh, a lot of folks, especially when you talk to somebody, you know, maybe that's just out of school and only has maybe five years in the market. They haven't seen these things in real life. They've never operated. They don't know some of the aspects. And, and you know, in, in working with so many different operators, looking at kind of how things are placed and where they're placed and how they're sized, I think there's a tremendous easy, uh, I say easy, easy from a standpoint of it's it's not complicated to fix <laughs> The, the deficits and the problems uh, or or educate the folks on what we're what these products are and what how they work and how to size them properly how to operate them properly I think there's a there's even more of a an immediate bang for your buck with existing technology utilizing it correctly um, but I I'm definitely not uh, saying that we shouldn't be pushing for new technology because there's definitely you know but a lot of areas for growth. Uh, we just we just haven't had a lot of earth-shattering uh, things when it comes to water, you know, in the in these last you know 20, 30 years. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I, I have seen data uh, collection and use and and manipulation and online analysis being very much uh, and and monitoring and control being much more interesting uh, mm-hmm. and useful these days. And again, I think people are more open to it because it's, you know, it's, 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 you know, again, we, we, we all, we, we carry these things around with us all day and it some, for some of us, it, it tells us what to do and where to do and what to do better at. So yeah. uh, how, how many steps you have in. Uh, so if, if, if we think of that and apply it to, you know, water and what we're doing from a technology standpoint, I, I think it's easier for people to say, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll adapt that. So I'm excited about that and what what's next <clears throat> with with that. But um, I I I think we definitely need some some a push in new technology. But again, I my focus right now has been a little bit more focused on getting people educated on what they currently have and improving on what they have and using what they have. Absolutely, I'm I'm supporter of of that too, Steve. Because like you mentioned, hydrocyclones. Yeah, I mean. How does it function? What can you use it for? And and of course, so so uh, what I hear is also that adapt more of the existing technology. But when we think about, let's say, young kids coming out of university and, and going into industries, etc. And of course, we see an aging workforce or many with experience leaving oil and gas or moving to other industries or going to renewables or etc. And, and how do we then ensure that we, we, we carry on these this type of knowledge. How can we digitalize, automate processes yes. if if we are not preserving this type of knowledge? And and you know, of course, it would be great to have one thousands of uh, one thousand of Steve Coffees around the world educating <laughs> everyone. But we only have you as one person. I, I think I think you'd you would uh, regret that after the second uh, clone. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah. A thousand, no way. <laughs> but but yeah, no, I think Mika, uh, seriously, I, I think that that knowledge trans- transfer is something that's that's key to uh, getting and becoming better. Um, and I don't know if I know the, I don't know if I have a, a really great answer for that. 
you know, one of the things that Bruce Water Society does is, you know, we, we focus on educating people and trying to be agnostic to, you know, technologies, but just get the word out. And it, that's a that that in itself is a big job. <laughs> yeah. um, people are busy today. Um, you know, I don't know what I, I just actually was was very fortunate to have uh, a, a personal tour with uh, a VIP tour with, at a Ramco site um, um, in their R&D and learning. Uh, and uh, I don't want to call out anything specific because, you know, um, actually, actually, I, I will in the near future. I need to get approval. But it was it really blew me away, whether you're talking about, um, you know, uh, virtual reality, you know, going into a cave and really exploring what's going on uh, with with virtual reality um, from a learning standpoint, but also, you know, some of the, the simulations that you can do. You know, the first time I'd been in in the control chair offshore uh, at at Saudi Aramco, and and I think what they're doing there, not only just from those two examples, but also in their in their group learning. I, I walked through some of their group learning uh, areas, and it was very exciting to see the exchange. It was, you know, I'm sure for us, at, at kind of like our at our age, I won't say our age, but you know, it, it's it's a very different. Uh, when you walk into a classroom like like that at Aramco, it's very different than what what we probably ex, you know it's very interactive, very um, open, um, and I think that if if we can kind of follow some of those learning trends, I think that could be very exciting. Um, mm-hmm. it, it it does make some of us older folks a little bit more uh, nervous because uh, you're like, well, <laughs> where are the walls uh, in my office? <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> okay. there are no walls anywhere. Um, so, and just the, the method of communication, but uh, again, I saw some very exciting things going on, um, kind of left after that tour, just feeling, um, inspired, uh, and, and, a, and a little bit more hope that there is, pe- there are people out there thinking about these things that are much smarter than myself. Um, and what I'm doing at, at Purdue Bar Society, just kind of educating, um, and hopefully we can learn and adapt some of those those teaching methods so that we're not just doing one by one. You know, we can do it much more collaboratively and globally. Um, so I again, I don't know if I have the answer, but I've seen glimpses of people doing things that are very inspiring. Um, so keep, yeah. you know, everybody keep doing those sort of things so we can actually learn faster. Because doing it the old way, um, we're, we're too far behind. It won't work anymore. Uh, we like you said, Mika. We have a a, a gap in the, in the workforce right now. Uh, uh, and I was just also at, at, on a panel with um, some oil and gas uh, oil and gas executives that that did a uh, kind of like an analysis of and how to retain and and attract new talent. Uh, and it was very interesting to hear what what their viewpoints were and what the the, the catches were to to get people more interested today, especially in in oil and gas, which is becoming you know not not a popular uh, popular thing to say or, or talk about but um, you know I, I think it we, we and I think the the gal that was with um, um, there was two two uh, females on on the stage with me uh, young uh, one, one a little bit younger uh, one more seasoned in the from ExxonMobil and, and Conoco Phillips that actually shared their viewpoints and I think 
if you're really listening and paying attention to uh, younger people, and I know the the one of the, the gals, she was like, well, I don't really have anything to share because I'm young. I'm like, no, you have a lot to share because you have fresh eyes, you have uh, interesting viewpoints, and you, you're, you're bringing a new new way of learning to, to this. And so, you know, I, I applauded her for that, but I also really was listening to, to the things that she was saying and how she, how she was learning, how she was learning and the things that were important to her. So if we can't understand what's important to uh, people as they're coming up, um it, it you know we're not gonna we're not gonna do any better so no. you really have to under, understand and listen and then try to uh you know come up with a new game plan really is what is what the group of, of six or seven of us on the stage kind of came up with is some of these old ways just don't work uh, uh, anymore uh, not that they were bad it's just they don't work in the way that we we do things today and again i think covid uh, definitely um, accelerated some of those things. So again, I think we've got a great uh, opportunity and a unique challenge here to get creative and be adaptive. Um, try not to be too scared, you know, yeah. just get out there and do it. Uh, sounds like a Nike commercial, but you know, it, <laughs> you, you, you do need to like, you know, you do need to get out there and just do it. Yeah. And I think that's the thing about it is if you look at the, the people's career there, I mean, potentially they could go from, let's say the traditional oil and gas type application they could go to hydrogen they could go to something else lng throughout their career they could move across different types of energy production or different things there and it's how they learn that that is a progression through that thing they're not just stuck in one channel here we have enough problems about changing stuff in between different industries between heavy industry which uses this we talk about semiconductors oil and gas paper and pulp all the kind of other stuff but inside the same energy part we're going to have these transitions as well. People are going to move across and do these things. Yeah. And I, I think, again, I think, so an example, a colleague of mine that she just left a, a major IOC uh, here in the States and went to work for a semiconductor company. Um, I think the interesting part about that is, again, going back to water, um, a lot of industries use water. <laughs> I didn't know the fact that that you had thrown out, Mika, about the uh, – the volume or the percentage of water, but uh, yeah, that's that's very. Uh, I think there are lessons learned regardless of what industry that you choose, and I think there's some flexibility. Um, you know, it, it I, you know when she asked me uh, my opinion on switching industries, uh, she said it's either that or a taco truck. <laughs> I said, well, I like tacos. But again, hey, even a taco truck, you're going to be using water somewhere. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I think just thinking here now, I mean, listening to to uh, to the, the the dialogue here, and of course, I think let's say the just do it mentality. Of course, the new game plan. Uh, when we talk about water management or, or water treatment plants or the whole production facilities, of course, there's a lot of you need to think about process safety, the risk management. It doesn't go away. But like you say, Steve, we can't do it the old way. Uh, the young generation, they're used to software, gaming, apps, etc. And from, from, let's say, software industry, we learned that, okay, coding, you, you do a lot of, let's say, failure, failure, failure. And then, then you learn fast and, 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 and get something correct at, at some point. So, of course, we have to deal with the risk management, also with the energy transition. 
in, in, in a good way. But we have to dare to kind of test out more and, and ensure that, okay, how do we handle the risks uh, at the same time? Just, that just kind of popped up in my mind that um, yeah, I think it's still there. Yeah energy transition and kind of the things that uh you know that we need to think about um yeah i think there's the there, there's a great opportunity here that's in front of us um and i think you know especially here in the us we have a lot of people that are polarized on one one viewpoint or the other it's either you're pro this or pro that i i, I just think that if you again most of them have more commonalities than differences and what they're saying is just their approach and what flag they're they're waving. But if you take that aside, like um, in about two weeks, we've got uh, Linda Caparano uh, being one of our keynotes on stage in Houston, and she was the uh, Trump. Uh, uh, she was appointed by Trump as uh, pre- President Trump as the um, uh, administrator for the EIA, and uh, she was actually on on Producer Bar Society's board just prior to that, but she had to. Uh, you know, kind of give up a lot of affiliations to move into that position and move to DC. But she's back in Houston and teaching at Rice University. Great, great uh, educator, great person. And we're so excited to have her But uh, be one of our keynotes. But one of the things that she's going to be talking about, I think she's going to be talking, and if you're not able to join us in person, it's all available virtually as well. Um, I think there's a lot of great things that she's going to share. I don't want to give too much away because I think it's going to be the first time that you hear when, when you have somebody that's educated, talk about energy transition, talk about elements that, that fit together that people don't think fit together, but they do fit together. So I think it's going to really be uh, um, you know, a little bit mind-blowing for some folks to, <clears throat> and hopefully not just mind-blowing, but mind-opening uh, to, to really grasp what we need to do to, to make changes in our thinking. Because a lot of, a lot of the problems uh, that I see are... Uh, mindset and like here's here's again whether it's we've been doing it this way for 40 years it's you know it's well or the way we always do it that problem but also just the what the train the path that you're going down of the way of thinking if you're challenged to think a little bit differently it could make it you know your result could be dramatically different and dramatically better so i do think there's a lot of uh, opportunity there as we talk about an energy transition so uh, and and security, energy security, and also now water security. Uh, water security is becoming, um, that that's actually makes, makes me a little bit worried some, some days when I think about how easy it would be to, uh, you know, much like cybersecurity, I think there was something that was published about cybersecurity being a major uh, threat for the years ahead. And, um, you know, whether it's, and I think that those are probably very closely tied together you know, again, um, I'm just thinking about all the things that I have, apps that I have on my phone for home, you know, turning on different devices and uh, controlling, yep. you know, controlling devices that have water. <laughs> all, all these things that, that could have an impact on your immediate daily life. Um, but I think there's, you know, n- not that we should live in fear, but we need to be uh, cautious right. and planning for the things a little bit better maybe. Um, I know we're going off topic a little bit on on uh, on security, but uh, I do think it plays in when you're talking about uh, technology, when you're talking about um, uh, resources, you need to think about the, uh, you know, protecting uh, those, whether it's protecting it from not wasting it or protecting it from, you know, bad people that may not, you know, uh, want to take control away from from the general public. Yeah. 
or other people who decide that they want control of it rather than allowing you access to it, which is the other thing as well. Right. So, you know, right. Maybe a lot of people, they may just say, well, we need it for our resources. We're not giving it to you. You know, so the example there of the ranchers could suddenly go, as we've had this issue in Texas before, the ranchers go, sorry, all that water's ours. We're not giving it for anyone else. And then you have right. this standoff and issue. So but it immediately impacts then what you're trying to do and how you support everything else that's going on. So there is a big issue no matter where you look at it in terms of that part. So I think you're right, right. in terms of the data we have and how we do it. And if you know, we stick in our industry for a second, is the fact is we're producing more and more of this stuff. Really, a lot of the processes we have were never designed to handle this volume. It right. goes back to what you're saying about using fit for right purpose technology to handle it, because we have technology can handle it, treat it, and make sure it works and be able to reuse it somewhere else. But we have never really planned it into the system. And it's yeah. like, it's easy. We'll just forget about that one later on. But if we start thinking about things and we have the information, then we can start doing some serious longer term planning as opposed to knee-jerk reaction, which seems to be still, not just the oil and gas industry, most industries still seem to be a lot of knee-jerk stuff going on. Yeah, yeah, and I think if those those polarized, you know, camps, you know, we'll, we'll stop thinking of it in such polarizing ways and, uh, and, and look at uh, more holistically, I think the answer is a little bit clearer. Um, to, to, to things that need to be done, not not the ultimate answers, but okay, here's the things that we need to work on. Uh, like example, I'm in California right now. We <laughs> don't know where to start with the, the problems. <laughs> uh, but you know, if, if that aside, I mean, there's a, again a lot of opportunity for 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 change and for doing things positive. Um, but you know, the there are definitely things that have to change in order to uh, you know, like for example. The, the amount of um, the infrastructure is we're behind on infrastructure here. Uh, there's no doubt. Um, the volume of people that live here, it's, it's pretty, you know, although a lot of folks are moving to Texas, uh, <laughs> uh, but well, not that many. <laughs> that adds a problem as well because Texas hasn't got infrastructure for them yet either. So, you yeah, know, moving from one area, building it, and then they move somewhere else. Like, yeah. All this stuff is just built. Yeah. Now, now I will say, you know, looking at West Texas, where they were, let's say, 10, 11 years ago, phenomenal amount of uh, infrastructure growth, whether it's roads or, you know, pipes, um, you know, to, to move, uh, you know, fluids and gas around it. it, it they've made some major um, improvements. Um, so I think we could do that. But uh, California's can be a little bit more difficult to do business in um, for many different ways. And you know some some reasons for good good reasons, but uh, you know environment def- definitely plays a, a role in in all decisions here. But also people what what what's trending and what people's mindsets are uh, seems to control even more so than the the true environmental aspects. So hopefully we can apply some real uh, good thinking and logic to that. Again, I'm still talking about California, so that might be a might be a stretch. Um, yeah. But I think there's phenomenal things that we could do here. Uh, just we're, we definitely have to change our thinking. I think that also goes back to the other things we've discussed as well. In fact, this isn't just, this also takes, you're talking about holistic approach, this also takes more of a looking at it in terms of industry-wide, not just looking at industries as standalone types of things. The oil and gas is one industry. You know, semiconductor is another industry. 
steel production and other industry. They're not. They actually all rely on the same things. We rely on raw materials, shipment and movement, energy, power, whatever it is, people and resources. We all rely on the same thing. So between us all, we need to start sharing this, working together better and yeah. looking at not as an adversary, who you say there, who you talk about, you know, your own security of your product. But if you've next to, let's say, a semiconductor plant who wants water and has bigger pockets than you have, is that an issue to your plant then? Because they can afford to buy it. And yeah. that's where we need to think of this in a bigger way. Yeah. It's also going to mean that people need to think, people generally need to think differently, not no matter what yeah. flag you're on or whatever, but just mindsets need to change. I think a lot of uh, those, um, when you're talking about the, the, the basic level, a lot of those change, a lot of those lack of changes have been made because of cost, not only <laughs> capital cost, but just uh, operational cost. Yep. And uh, you know, maybe changing does cost out more initially, but uh, yeah, I think cost-driven decisions alone, if if you don't take a look at the the, the bigger picture, can be very problematic. Yeah, well, we've discussed that a lot in the past about how cost assessments are done on various projects and how things are done and where you look at initial savings where you might save you ten dollars this week on the cost of a flange or whatever but because it only lasts five years rather than ten the long-term costs are completely different so that is something again which needs to get into that so you need to think about your, your longer term view your field right. of your life field applications here which the industry starts with plays with and then goes no go back to cost yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But then look at—I mean—they they cost. It's not cost. It's a very limited cost, and that's the bit you need to have that Excel spreadsheet with cost on it. Include a lot more than just two or three columns. There's a lot of involved in this. Right, right. Maybe it makes it very, of course, tangible and trying to kind of yeah. But that's uh, but that's also we've an issue in the past in the fact that some of those variables have been fairly ill-defined. We've not been able to, to quantify what the cost impact is of having water treatment there, having solids build up inside your vessel here, where suddenly, you know, you've been surprised. Oh, my God, I've got this to shut this down. I've got to fix it now. Whereby, if you can actually plan for these things, you can start to mitigate some of those costs, but you also understand how it's building up. You can start planning and put those back into your models, which goes back into your data analysis, so you can then get some realistic things. So in the future, you've also got good history for anything that's going forward. Right. Yeah. And I think that uh, just bringing that uh, thought to a, to a conclusion for, for me, um, from a process standpoint, <clears throat> one of the things when we're talking about uh, produce water strategies, you know, one of the things I, I think is the decision analysis that is made, you have to include all the uh, disciplines when you're making it as uh, kind of a decision on what what you know I know a lot of times that it's operation and production uh, focused but mm -hmm. you know it, it starts at you know completions and reservoir engineering um, yeah. and drilling even in geoscience but also I think a lot of the things that that need to be taken into account uh, are further downstream um, and you know health and safety has to take it be included into that uh, and and some of the regulatory uh, issues um, and compliance issues have to have to be considered. So again, I think drawing in from different uh, parts. And again, you know, talking about retaining people, you have to uh, you have to include, you know, 
folks from HR and, and people that are looking at sustainability and ESG into the conversation, because if you're only making a today decision based on operation, you know, cost and, and projection for production, it's very short-sighted. Okay. So, of course, what I hear, let's say, yeah, um, industry and, and the world is changing, definitely. We have to have a, bit, a better holistic view on things. Uh, there's a lot of challenges ahead on all these X security issues, mm -hmm. for instance. But also, like I hear Steve, you said, well, there there is hope. What you see also in, into the future. So, um, any we're still early days in in a new year. I mean, any particular expectations you have that you hope will happen this year in terms of let's say the industry side and, and uh, january must yeah. be a real month for for that question because i've been asked that yeah. uh, like three or four <laughs> times this week uh well my crystal ball is broken for sure <laughs> uh, otherwise i'd be on a i would be on a beach right now contemplating these topics <laughs> instead of in, in in front of a desk uh but no i, I think um again i think you hit it on the head with um you know the I think those are great places to start. I, th I think you come into the, the 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 challenge with an open mind and um, hopefully some more tools to to, uh, to to better make decisions off of and and better information. Again, you know, data. The the, the scary thing about it is there's so much data today. Uh, a lot of times it just becomes overwhelming, and then and then I know I'm this way too. If it's just too much, I just stop and move on to the next thing because it's like, oh, that's 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 too much for me right now. I can't I can't analyze that properly. Um, again, I think you just need a more di you need uh, that diverse um, knowledge base to 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 tackle because uh, you know working with teams uh, different teams, what I've seen is uh, and start to finally starting to realize is you know this person's really good good and enjoys you know spreadsheets uh this person's really good at talking to people mm -hmm. and getting people to say yes everybody has a different skill set um i mean some some people have multiple skill sets even better but if you can really identify the one that they they're really good at and like heck have them do that work and and that's what that's you know that's how you tackle that without you know making somebody do something that they're not really good at or not really thrilled and excited about doing so um yeah i think if we just if we we kind of uh disseminate some of the um the task uh and uh, information to to a wider group of your um your colleagues uh, uh and share i'm <laughs> i see a lot of non-sharing today and again i i understand partly why uh that is but you would think that it's easier to share today because there's so many different ways. I mean, you just look at social media, like how, I mean, we share a lot, <laughs> way too much <laughs> with, with, with people. <laughs> maybe, maybe we change our focuses about what pizza, what, what pizza type of pizza we're eating or um, what, what's stupid thing that we're doing uh, yeah. and, and share maybe the smart things that we're doing. Um, you know, maybe it's not as fun, but you know, uh, Share that a little bit more readily with 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 others in in the world. Maybe this is a good I, I thing. Think, oh, sorry. Yeah, I think it. Of course, certainly a portion of fear there too. I mean, oh, should I share this, or is it taking something away from me? Whatever that could be. But 
I think sharing is about not just, of course, we want to learn and, and uh, improve best practices, etc. But it's also about sharing when you don't know or make some uh, absolutely or, or, when, of course. or mistake. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I think the the best sharing experience has been here's where I failed. And again, yeah. who wants to talk about that? But, you know, that's very helpful when somebody says, here's what didn't work. You know, that that's I mean, why not share that again? Nobody wants to talk about it, but I think that that's a valuable lesson. The thing that's maybe some of the things that's come into this, in fact, we've had this different way of working and the fact that we've actually had this opportunity now to do that. Because beforehand, if you had a failure in the office, you might have kept it to two or three people who had known. Nobody would know. Or to yourself. Or possibly yourself. (laughs) Good. Just bury it. But now, because the fact is everyone's been working so remotely and things like that, you've actually had to share. So people can ask questions. They're not quite the same way of doing it. So people to people interaction has also changed. Right. You know, this was very, very scary. And everyone was like, oh, I'm not going to talk about it. I don't want to do this thing. But suddenly now people get used to it and they are sharing more. They do share a lot about their own social life, but now they're sharing about their work life as well. Yeah. Maybe it's become easier and more easily to spread without the judgment because they don't see somebody at the coffee machine afterwards going, gee, what did you do that for? You complete idiot. Whereas yeah. now they can do it and they don't see him for two weeks. Then they say you're in the year. That's fine. Yeah. No, I yeah. think you're, you're James. That's, that's, that's excellent. I hadn't really put that thought together uh, yet, but I, I think the, this remote environment that we're living in actually may enhance some of those, uh, some of those areas that we would have not shared before. So yeah, ho- hopefully that is the case. That hopefully that's, that's one more positive thing that is happening. I think I can see it as a positive and I hope it works that way. I can see it as being a negative as well in the fact that it'll be easier to bury stuff and the fact yeah. that you can have things, but that is a really, really, I think, you know, the industry, no matter which industry you're in, we've we've had enough of just hiding stuff, doing stuff away. Right. Yeah. Let, let's yeah. let's be brutally frank about what we're trying to do in here and achieve stuff because. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, even though we're, uh, you know, everything is a global discussion day, it is a very small world um, that the facts that, that the things that that we're talking about and worrying about or trying to solve. Again, you know, there are some regionally, you know, and cultural differences. But in general, again, more more common problems yeah, yeah. <laughs> than, than differences uh, in, in what we're trying to get to. Yeah. But Steve, really I mean, you, you have so much drive. I mean, been doing this for 30 years, like you said, so I'm 29. I started when I was 10. <laughs> I have to cut out. It was only 29 years. But of course, surely I I hope you will, let's say, continue to have this drive push forward for another 29 years, at least. Ab- ab- yeah. Absolutely. I'm I'm if if uh, if I make sure to take good care of myself or better care of myself, uh, I will be doing this. Yeah, I, I definitely think the excitement uh, for me is uh, sharing with others and listening to others. I think it's always great. Again, whether it's somebody that's uh, been around for 40, 50 years or somebody that's brand new into the industry and their take on it, I mean, both equally to me exciting to, to hear. Um, yeah. But we do need to, to to pay attention to and grow and help grow uh, the younger folks coming up into the industry because I think there's a major deficit there of knowledge transfer. Um, and again, 
I can see how that how that has happened over the years. So now it's just about doing better, faster. <laughs> Nothing. Uh, so yeah, I'll be around. You're not getting rid of me. Uh, uh, just as long as I don't get hit by a bus or something. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and virtual can be. Uh, let's say digital and virtual is actually very powerful. I mean. Like you said, that you have your uh, event coming up very soon. If you yep. can't be there in person, look at it virtually. Yeah. Because also like with our podcast, we want to share, let's say, to the audience about, let's say, insights and inspire for the future. And unbelievable that kind of the feedback yeah. that occasionally pops up from Middle East, Africa, Europe, US, etc. And, and uh, just meeting new people and I say, hey, yeah, we listened to that. That was a great piece and, and uh, inspired them. So I hope we can continue together to inspire people in, yeah, in this absolutely. world. And I think that's a good thing there. I think you just pointed out is the fact that by doing your thing virtually now and people get more used to that thing, people who couldn't possibly travel there because of restrictions or whatever else, if they've got an internet connection, excuse me, they can they can dial in, they can listen into it. And that, and, I think it's, it's, it's yeah. Yeah, no, and it's very interactive too. I think you know, so for some of the folks, I, I have not done this um, with with our events, but I've done it at other events. And you can chat with other people while the presentation is going, kind of like sitting in the back of the room, passing a note to your to your buddy, saying, <laughs> "Hey, did, did you hear what that was?" Or or ask a question like, "Wait, yeah. I, I don't understand. Why would he? Why would he or she say this?" So I think that interactive element of it's very interesting and makes it more real. Uh, uh, more rich learning experience. I think that's also the thing it helps as well because if somebody doesn't feel confident enough to stand up in front of a large audience of industry experts and raise a question which they think might be obvious to everyone but they're not sure, they can type it out. They can be a bit of a keyboard warrior and ask that question yeah. and they're happy enough to do it because there's an anonymity behind it and they don't feel embarrassed. Th those, are, those, are the, those are all great examples of uh, how I think the richness of, of this new way is is helping us learn better and faster so yeah hope hopefully you know people are are taking advantage of of those sort of things and not scared i know i have there's a lot of people that are tired of virtual um i get it um you know zoom fatigue is real um but you know just employ it into your life you know something you know moderation you know uh, you know blend it into how it fits your life or your needs. Um, so I, I think it's there's a there's a place for it. Just need to think about it how, how it's useful to you uh, today. Not something you have to do. Yeah. <laughs> also some wise words. Yes, absolutely. So uh, being mindful of the time of our audience, ourselves, not yep. to get any fatigue from podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I think. We could co continue for, for a good while here. Listening. We, we, we salute you. Yeah, we'll, we'll be talking for another 29 years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, stay, yeah exactly. stay, stay tuned. Stay tuned. We can for sure come back with another episode at, at a later, later point yeah. as such. Well, this, th thank you for having me. It was great, great. Uh, Chatting again, it's been a while, and uh, it's uh, it's it's great to hear that other people have um, different ideas, and also um, that that you know some head nodding that maybe your crazy ideas or thoughts are not that crazy. Sure, it, it was is. fantastic having you uh, yeah. with us today, Steve. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you, gentlemen.
Appreciate it.